Hey listeners, before we begin the episode today, just a quick shout out to those of you who are in active recovery. You know you want to date, but you're overwhelmed or frustrated with the process um, of dating and recovery. We have an opportunity just for you. Uh, check out our new website, One Layer Deeper, O-N-E, LayerDeeper.com, uh, where we have information about our weekend dating and recovery intensives. Uh, these are awesome. They're a lot of fun. They help you dive deep into the issues that uh, keep you from dating successfully, having the relationships that you want, um, and also helping you find the kind of people that uh, you won't avoid their phone calls after a first date. So uh, we have two events upcoming. We're going to have a weekend for women. That'll be October 11th through 14th. And a weekend for men. That'll be November 1st through 4th. Uh, So if I'm talking to you, active recovery, and uh, you're frustrated with the whole dating process and would like to experience a deep change there, One Layer Deeper is for you. So check us out at OneLayerDeeper.com. Hope you enjoy the episode. This is the Thanks for Sharing podcast, the podcast where we explore all things recovery, healing, and relationship. Remember to subscribe and download episodes in the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, or on the Podbean app. You can find more Thanks for Sharing at www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash healingpaths. That's paths with an S. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Thanks for Sharing. I'm Jackie P. I'm John T. Today on our um, show, we have a guest, Carol Rose Atkinson, and we're really excited to have her on the show. Um, We've kind of crossed paths in different online forums, um, and that's kind of where I've become somewhat familiar with your work and said, hey, let's get you on the show and talk about what you're doing, because we like to have people on the show who are doing great things. Yeah, welcome, Carol. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate your asking me. Yeah. So you've got, we were just kind of talking, you've got a couple of books on out that you've published, um, which I want you Actually, to talk they're about. Launching soon. They're, oh, they're, they're launching soon. They're going to launch August 28th. Yes. Okay. I, I had to put that off for personal reasons. So they're launching August 28th, Recovering okay. My Life. Recovering My Life. And, and tell our listeners um, what, what's in that, what's in those books and kind of what your purpose or passion was in writing those well, uh, I lost 115 pounds, and that was eight years ago, so I've kept it off all these years. Um, but there, there's no joke in you know that process that I went through, and I decided that if I could make a difference in one person's life, I was going to put myself in front of a camera, and I was going to journal through the whole process and then put something together at some point. And I didn't do cameras at all. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Never had, I got in there, my bra strap showing, everything showing, and I just videotaped through the whole thing and journaled through the whole thing and then eventually pulled that into a raw, real depiction of my process of getting off of food and learning to live life on life's terms without uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, which I think is such a, I mean, that story of, transformation and redeeming your life and kind of redeeming your soul, I think is such a a powerful story. We always love those stories. And I think we also, 
um, need those inspiring stories right now. Yeah, it's well, you know, I have a campaign online. If I can do it, you can do it. Live uh -huh. your magnificent life. That is not like a cliche, and it may sound like it, but from my heart, I am no different, no better than anybody. And what I've just gotten to so far, and who knows where I'll get to from here, I, I can do it. Anybody can do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was a single mom, three kids, you know, doing all this stuff. And living your own magnificent life could be sitting at home and watching your children. Mm -hmm. It could be changing the world, whatever it is. Sure. Don't stop dreaming. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was just talking to a, uh, a monthly group I get together with, and we, we talk about work and relationships and all of those kind of things. And I was saying to them how these transformation stories for so much of my life have been like, I'm so glad that happens to other people. Just like for, there was a time in my life where I'm like, I'm so glad that horrific trauma happens to other people. <laughs> and then there's this, there's this moment where like your life intersects and you're like, Oh, that horrific trauma did happen to me. And then there's an intersection down the road where it's like that amazing transformation does happen for me. Um, yeah. And I, I totally believe in that. If I can do it, you can do it because I, I think people who, live extraordinary lives or people who find deep and satisfying recovery are not special. Mm -mm. Well, the heroes are the people that just keep one foot in front of the other. That's it. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and other people are like, Oh my gosh, you're inspiring. And I don't even like to hear that. It's not that I don't own that. It's just that I'm just you. Yeah. Right. And I don't, I want them to see that and not see that I'm, you know, something that that they couldn't attain yeah which i think is part of what's inspiring right because if they are superhuman right if they are like not just a regular person then they can't inspire me i mean i may be glad that they're out there but the inspiration comes in saying i i can do something too right and mm -hmm. that comes from regular people doing amazing things and transforming their life, but not forgetting that they're just regular people. Yeah, that's the humility, right? Right. You know, aspect. Right. I mean, I always tell people if I ever get, you know, egotistical, you're welcome to smack me across the face because <laughs> <laughs> I don't ever want to be there because I don't believe I'm doing what I'm doing. I believe somebody else is doing it for me. And I'm just like the vessel, the person that is meant to do it. Yeah. yeah. So Carol, can you tell us a little bit, if, if you're okay sharing on this level, like what, what is your story? What did get you to this point where you're out spreading the message that recovery can be yours too? Well, I'm very comfortable sharing these stories. I share what I think is appropriate for um, the, the person at the time. Um, I went through horrific abuse as a child. I mean, that's the start of my story, literally from birth, I w went through horrific abuse. I don't describe it, mm -hmm. but I, unless it's somebody that needs it, like to know that I also went mm -hmm. through that. Um, but from the time I was born, I, I think I'm a walking miracle that um, I survived my childhood. And, um, and from there, I went through a lot just, you know, because I chose the wrong people and I kind of made the wrong choices along the way. And, and those things impacted me as well. Um, a single mom, three kids, uh, raised all three of them. Two of them are special needs. 
Um, there's, there's so many things. I gained weight because it was a protection. I, you know, I was raped. I was molested. All those things that um, I don't, you know, that's not a big deal. Like people commonplace hear that kind of stuff. Um, I had some uncommon things happen to me. And it's, it's not about that. It's about that you can rise above anything. You really can't. And I've been involved 10 years in transformational training, 34 years in the recovery realm. And, um, you know, I, I spent 20 years in therapy before I went back to school to become a therapist. Mm -hmm. I, I've got that kind of history. Um, that, that's what I needed before I would be even ready to be the clinician I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. So now I get to give back, yeah. which is like friggin' awesome. Yeah. So what got you to that place of saying, I can't keep living like this, right? What, what started you into that process of therapy or getting into the rooms of recovery, right? It's always, I find it's always kind of this miracle story that life somehow just took this turn and got people to go where they needed to go to allow the healing to begin. Well, it's funny. Um, I was just thinking when you said that, okay, my first time into an actual recovery room, I went into AA and decided that I was an alcoholic. Not an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I, I went in there and I think, I don't know, I was like 21 years old and I thought, this is where I fit. And then I raised my hand. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the heck I was doing there. I was longer, <laughs> um, but it just, it seemed like my peeps. Yes. Um, so I stayed there for a while and realized, wait a minute, I don't have a problem with this. Okay, so wait a minute, where do I belong? And eventually, I'm just one of those people that wants to learn, 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 learn. I, from the moment I was, I was born, I'm like, I'm open to whatever opportunities to learn. So mm. eventually, I found my way to groups like uh, Minu Love Women and the women, or Minu, I don't know, all the groups um, back <laughs> in the day. Um, and, and eventually, Al-Anon, uh, Adult Children of Alcoholics, Codependence Anonymous, all of those kinds of groups. Um, but Al-Anon is kind of my, my home. Okay. Um, but, but still, I, you know, I went to Debtors Anonymous. I, I've been to every group to work through my money stuff and, you know, just everything. Yeah. Um, but, but what got me there was pain. Isn't that the great motivator? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and so for me, the pain was... Um, my relationships don't know how to work. Like, I don't know how to show up in a relationship and be, uh, well, I mean, I come from a family. My, my mom was a narcissistic personality disorder. I've got a sister that's a borderline personality disorder. And I'm not those things, but I get parts of those things wrapped up in me. So I sure. made wrong decisions. And I thank God I was willing to get healing and do, I'm very teachable. And that's, that's the best thing I think about me is that what, when someone says to do it, I go, okay, I'll do exactly <laughs> what you say. Cause you know, in this moment, you know more than I do. Right. Sometimes it's a gift to know that you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm very clear that there's a lot of things I don't know. And I'm also clear now that there's a lot of things I do know. Mm -hmm. And I want to impart that it's taken a long time to get here to feel like, it's time for me to be the teacher. Yeah. Yeah. I so, love that. Yeah. And, and pain is really it. And I, I always say, you know, I'm always working with the little kid. Like we were hurt as kids. Um, if you're 50 years old and you show up in my office in one way, I'm working with that wounded child mm -hmm. and I'm a wounded healer. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we all come from that, 
that point of view. And if you can connect with a person, that's, that's how you make the difference. It's yeah. the healing can yeah. connect. So Carol, what, what do you think makes the difference or what do you think allows people to start utilizing the pain to help them to focus, to help them to do things they've never done before? Because so many of our clients and I think a lot of our listeners have the experience of being in chronic emotional pain, sometimes physical pain, relational pain, and they just feel like this is my life. Like I had a conversation with a client the other uh, the other week and um, they were saying, well, if they were saying, I'd rather be, I'd rather be emotionally abused than cheated on. And I kept saying, you say that as if those are the only two choices. Mm. And there was this big, like, well, this has been my whole life and I think it will be the rest of my life. So, so like what, what, what do you see allows people to use that pain to transform versus staying stuck? Yeah, you just have to, um, the pain has to be enough. You have to be sick and tired of being sick and tired and all of that, that you're willing to do something new. Mm-hmm. So you're not doing insanity, you know, the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, but that you try something else, that you, you're finally open and willing to try something that just seems crazy to you mm-hmm. to try. Yeah. Well, and. and- Go ahead. I was going to say, that's what I love about, you know, you landed in an AA meeting and probably heard them speaking about recovery. And that's where you were just like, okay, these are my people. Like these messages are ringing home and, and it may have taken you a little bit to be like, oh wait, I'm not an alcoholic. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But it's that, it's that message of recovery or it's that focus on the solution that starts to say, Hey, they figured some things out that I'm looking for. Yeah. And also that's where I found God and I didn't mm-hmm. believe in God. So that there was um, that component as well. Um, I was also thinking, you know, my, my first husband died from addiction. Uh, he, he uh, used speedballs, mm-hmm. and, you know, I've kind of lived my life um, needing to recover, recover because I, of some of the choices that I made that I was doing on under the waterline. I never, I didn't know I was doing it, mm-hmm. you know? So once you become, you can bring something above the waterline where you can mm-hmm. actually see it and you know, this is what I'm doing. I could actually choose something different. Mm. Right. First, you have to get it out of the subconscious because, you know, you got to, you got to see it. The pain is from choices. Time to make nuance. Yeah, and that that is a I think a really tricky place to hold in recovery because I'll I'll work with a lot of people who will start to realize my recovery is about choices, and then they will immediately go to, "Well, I'm an addict because I chose it." can you speak it's to the, that? You know, it, the shame cycle is what it is. And they're going to go wherever they w- want to go with that. It, that's going to keep them from the shift. Mm-hmm. You know, if they want to go to that place instead of um, it's time to heal and it's time to make a difference. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, they can say they made a choice. Or you could go to the disease model. You can, you know, look at all the different ways that people look at um, addiction, but the bottom line was they were in pain and they were trying to mask their pain. Mm-hmm. And however they were trying to mask that, whether it's food, whether it's alcohol, addiction, uh, men, whatever it is, um, 
we do what we know. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and in that way, so often, right? And this, I don't say this as a healing professional to give excuses or to minimize um, the people who, who are in the addict's life who are negatively impacted. But so often addiction chooses the people right? Like, and, and that's where I see clients as they start to look at their attachment wounds, as they start to look at their family of origin trauma, they mm -hmm. start to realize like, I, it set me on this course and I was going to go there because I didn't know I, sh I didn't have to, right? I didn't know, but that they, they just start to see that addiction chose them at a young age based on what had happened to them. Right. Well, I'm a family systems therapist. So of course that, you know, is exactly the way that I talk about that. And I've really been actually in the last couple of weeks working through this in my own life. So, you know, a relationship broke up and, um, and it was really the healthiest relationship I'd ever had. And I thought, wow, this is interesting. What I've learned from this is that I can love well. Mm. And that's taken me a long time yeah. to learn that I can give back and I can do it in a way that's healthy for me, mm -hmm. boundaries and everything. Um, but, but the thing was, this attachment stuff, I've really been thinking a lot about it. It's been uh, pondering in my mind, my attachment issues, I see this all the time with couples. Some are anxious, some are avoidant. They get together and then, you know, they set right. off this other stuff, right? Um, but the attachment, like, I have spent years and years and years in therapy and uh, worked through in every way I can. I don't think there's a certain piece of that that will go away, and I don't want it to. Right. Because there's a part of me that's a little girl that was broken, that wasn't wanted, um, that when I tap into that, that's so powerful for my clients, but that's kind of who I am. I mean, I'm a very young person in a lot of ways. I'm not so much chronologically, but, you know, I kind of date people way younger because anybody my age doesn't really keep up with the kind of goal setting and changing that I want to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the attachment stuff is really, I don't know that that ever fully goes away. I mean, to some piece, you're, you're that wounded child that, I, I don't cry. I don't live in that place. Right. But it's a piece of me and I like her. Yeah. Well, so, and, and for her to go away means that that child part of you doesn't exist. Right. And we don't need that. Right. We don't, we, we certainly don't want that little girl running the show. Right. <laughs> right. We're not going to say, Hey, why don't you drive this car? Let's see. Oh, yes. Out. Yeah, that's, that's adult stuff. <laughs> right. And, and yet we, I mean, that is part of the origin of you, right? And that is part of your story. Mm -hmm. And without um, that little girl, the transformation story doesn't really make sense. Right. And I think also that in relationships that we play together, that's how we get to know each other. Mm -hmm. And if that part isn't there, what am I, super serious adult? Well, that, mm -hmm. that ain't me. I mean, <laughs> I'm running, you know, foundation. I've got a lot of employees and I'm just me. You know, yeah. I'm going to show up me wherever I am because otherwise I wouldn't be authentic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's a, 
that's a very hard reality for I think a lot of people at the beginning of recovery that there are going to be some of these issues that don't heal over as in like it's like it never happened um, but I, I think a lot of solid recovery is about incorporating the story as is okay. and learning how to live in responsible responsiveness to okay. our story and ourselves. So knowing that there's a hurt little girl there, knowing that we have attachment wounds, knowing that we have fears, I think that sets us up to be able to meet those in useful ways instead of getting the treatment that we got as children, which is like, oh, it's not an issue don't worry about it. You're fine. Yeah, I love that word, fine. Right. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that one, right? Right. Um, yeah, I agree with you. And, and the, the, the bottom line is all those things that happened to me, I wouldn't take back. Yeah. Uh, now, people, if they really hear my story, are like, what? And I'm like, you know, I, I wouldn't be me without mm-hmm. all that pain. I couldn't be. I couldn't come out of... Uh, the compassion and the understanding. I, I just, I couldn't be wacky because I'm, I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm a sarcastic or playful person. Um, that's just by nature. Uh, I'm dying one day to get, uh, to do a comedy act just once. Because <laughs> I, I use the humor, right? It's a, it yeah. can be a defense mechanism or it can be playful and fun. Uh-huh. And, and I like that part. And that is kind of like my little girl. You know, mm-hmm. she plays and has fun when it's appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. I wish there was a way to fast forward that part of early recovery when we're trying to deny and get as much distance from our past as possible. And kind of this way to to move to this, like, there will come a day where you wouldn't change it for anything. There will come a day right, where you're going to be But that's why there's, um, you know, old timers in the program. Right. <laughs> that we can give this, the, the hope and the strength and the, you know, all of that, but in experience and everything. But you can't walk somebody through aha. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like as a therapist, I could tell the client, this is what's wrong. Next. You know, yeah. and then right. you're like, oh, okay, I just didn't learn a thing because mm-hmm. they didn't get it organically yeah. themselves. Or I've had this experience often as a therapist where, you know, I've said something to a client at 10, 20, I don't know how many times, right? And I say it, and one day they come in and they're just like, I had this aha moment, <laughs> right? And they're walking me through it. And, I, and, I, and I'm just thinking, wow, that's brilliant. If only somebody could have told you that, I don't know, 20, 15, you know, (laughs) and, and I don't get flustered with that. Like, I don't care. Right. That I don't have to say, I've told you that 10 times. Right. Cause I know that that's part of the process. And sometimes, right. Sometimes they'll come back, you know, a month after their aha moment and they're like, I was remembering this conversation where you said the very same thing to me. And I'm kind of like, well, yeah, but you have to learn it on your own, Mm -hmm. right? Me telling you this, like, I know that it's true because I experienced and came to that conclusion, but I wouldn't deny that for you. Like that is part of your growth. And so it doesn't matter that I've said it multiple times, right? You didn't know it. You knew that I knew it. But now you know it, and that's mm-hmm. way more powerful. Yeah, that's, that's like my transformational training work. Um, without the feedback that we get in those groups, I don't know what I do. 
I mean, that's really where uh, my transformation went to the higher level beyond recovery was getting feedback from 45 strangers that know nothing about me. And they just say, I experienced you as da-da. And I'm like, dark. You look dark and, you know, scary. Oh, you look so nice and whatever. I mean, some of this work that I've done many, many, many times, I stopped worrying about the feedback so much mm. um but i um i decide who i would like to speak in my life that i respect what they see and then i give them permission uh-huh. you know you're you're somebody that i trust and i would love feedback from when you see me walking down that road again and right. i have to be willing to to listen how, how do you know that that person is one of those people that you are willing to take feedback from, that you'll, you'll take their perspective? Because I see their lives, and I see that their words and their actions match. Hmm. And I see that um, they, uh, they see things I don't. I believe, you know, I, I can see behind you. You can't see behind you. Mm-hmm. So if I see that person has the insight to see behind me, and they're willing to speak it in a loving way, then that's a person I want mm. to, to tell me something, you know, cause I, I have always got to be teachable cause I am wounded. There's this little girl in me that's always going to be just a tad bit, you know, scared that she's going to make the wrong decision, especially relationship wise. Mm-hmm. And I actually, you know, I go to my friends, you know, this guy, should I date him or shouldn't I date him? And, you know, the last set of people said, yes, you absolutely should date this guy. And I, you know, I, I got ended up getting like pummeled. But mm-hmm. still, it was still the best relationship I ever had. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think sometimes it's that perspective that, like you are saying now, and, and I think when we've gone through this transformation process, what we learn is that the learning process is not always easy or painless. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's never going to happen because pain is the motivator. Right. And and sometimes, and you were talking about it physically, emotionally, like in so many ways, well, sometimes our emotional causes are physical, the somatizing, right. right? Um, And I'm sitting here in pain physically because I've got some physical stuff going on. And the emotional pain is probably a bigger motivator for me anyway, Mm. because it, it really, I don't want to feel that. That reminds me of that little girl that couldn't do anything right. about it because I was a little girl. Well, right. I'm, I'm a big grown adult. I actually can choose different, do different. And I'm in, uh, I'm in the illusion of control in some ways, you know, in my business and the things I'm doing. I don't believe I have control anywhere except for right. my own reaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's where, uh, you know, life is ultimately the greatest teacher where sometimes, um, you, you know, like you were talking about this relationship that was your healthiest relationship, it still ended, right? That sometimes we think this positive relationship in our life is, is going to last forever and it never was supposed to. And that doesn't mean we weren't supposed to get into the relationship. It doesn't mean, right, that we did something wrong, that it didn't last forever, and you still are saying, I, I learned that I can love healthy and I can yeah. love well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I learned that. And I, I learned it at the cost of a really good friend, unfortunately, because, you know, I've been friends for a long time. 
Um, but I can't stop his own woundedness. He profoundly right. believed that he was worth loving and I loved mm. and accepted him. So I was going to go. He was going to yeah. make sure that I went because I don't fit in his paradigm. Of, right. I, I am not worth those things. And there's nothing I can do about that. But he right. told me, he said, I've never been loved more. I've never been accepted more and I'm not worth it. Mm. And that's his own insider's therapist too. And I'm, I'm like, okay. Yeah. That I get. Yeah. Uh, it hurts like hell. Yes. But, but that I get. Right. Because otherwise, for you to try to fix that for him gets back into the wounds. Right. Um, that's because I'm an Al-Anon. I know I can't do that. Thank God for all those years of that, that I just say, okay, I, I hear that. I, your guilt is your guilt. Uh-huh. It's not mine. I, you know, his his guilt is his shame cycle, right? And I I can't stop his shame cycle. I I only can fix my own road, my yeah. road in front of me, and what I got to do and put pick up my own push broom and do what I have to do for me. That's all I can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, as, I, as I'm listening to this conversation around pain being a teacher, um, you know, I'm reminded of uh, how. I think sometimes in our zeal, we will hold on to painful experiences because we're going to learn so much from it. Yeah. Um, and, and that becomes our only reason for interacting with the pain. Um, I, I think, yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's kind of a paradox. Um, like pain is a pain is a very effective teacher, I think. Um, but what, what are your thoughts, Carol, on like the degree of pain, which we should be in or how we come across <laughs> that pain? That's really interesting. Um, I think that that the the guy that I just finished dating that is him. He's still living in that pain because he thinks that you know he's supposed to. I don't think that. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I I immediately when I started feeling the pain, reached out to the people in my life um, to get through the pain uh, to to feel it pr- appropriately, but not to hold on to it. Mm-hmm. Um, because how can I be effective as a wounded healer if I'm living in my own stuff? You know, I can't, I, I couldn't sit in front of a client and speak to them. It would be about me. Mm-hmm. So um, the pain, holding on to it is the shame-based cycle to me. You know, just owning it, knowing, hi, I'm in pain. I see you pain. Okay, I'm going to feel you pain. And now I'm going to let you go because you don't bode well for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I would say something to the effect, because I think that's such a great point that John brought up, right? That that some people can then get addicted to the pain thinking that that's, that's oh, their yeah. path, right? That's way to do it. And, and while pain is an effective teacher, right? Pain isn't a good parent. Pain isn't a good <laughs> lover, right? Pain isn't a good friend. <laughs> so we need to kind of keep that perspective. I like that. Right. Well, and this guy hasn't done recovery, mm. you know, and he is an addict, but he you know, clean and sober years and years, you know, the dry thing. And so, you know, he doesn't know those things. So he just thinks he is profoundly a shameful person. And thus, you know, you should stay there. Right. You know, I know better. And I, and that pissed him off. (laughs) Because, you know, I'm like, I, you know, if you want to feel guilty, have at it. I'm not going to like, you know, take the bait. So that, that of course makes people mad that I don't, you know, take their bait when they try it. Uh-huh. And I mean, that's the critics. The critics come out and they try their bait with me. And it's so funny. I just, 
I get really curious with them and, and say, gosh, that's so interesting. Instead of, you know, fighting back, mm-hmm. defending. I don't defend. I don't need to defend. I know yeah. who I am. Yeah. And I would say that that's not a therapist thing. That's a recovery thing where we develop yeah. that curiosity yeah. yes. and that, that ability to kind of step out of the situation and, and really mm-hmm. get curious about why it's, why it's happening. Right. So, and that's also the transformational training. And so I'm like this hybrid between all three of those things. Mm -hmm. And you don't know what's going to show up in that room that day. And when I'm teaching my staff, my interns, my practicum students, anybody that works for me, you know, I can tell them this intervention is kind of comes organically out of that moment. And you wouldn't know that because you don't have my life experience but I can at least, you know, tell you about these things mm-hmm. that that's hard without walking through this walk that uh, how would I tell a therapist mm-hmm. this? They don't teach this in school. Yeah. No. Well, and I, I think that is one of the things that um, I've learned being a therapist who works with recovery and has worked recovery myself. Um, I, I trust more. I mean, it's always, yeah, it may still be nerve wracking, right? When I walk into a session with a client, I don't know where it's going to go. <laughs> and I don't have to, right? Mm-hmm. I, I trust the process and mm-hmm. I trust that what comes up um, will come up, right? And, and in that way, I'm prepared, but I may mm-hmm. have to stop and say, oh, let me make you a copy of this, right? Because mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I didn't know I was going to need that, that session. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and so I can trust, and that doesn't mean I'm unprepared for the session. It means I'm allowing this interaction to mm-hmm. go where it needs to go and to let something kind of higher guide this instead, yes. of, instead of thinking I am that higher power, right? <laughs> I, I allow something to, to guide the, the connection that's happening in the session to guide that. I was just thinking a client came in yesterday and I just don't know where we're going to go today. And I'm like, don't worry. (laughs) Don't you worry. She goes, I know we always find something. And then, you know, she just basically goes off in the session. I'm like, and you really thought you had nothing to say. (laughs) Right. My goodness. I mean, like, don't stop now. Let it out. You know, it's it's great. But you know, you don't know until you, until you're in that moment. Yes. But where you need to shift and, and that's the transformational coach in me. It's like you just, you grab that thing and you start exploring and getting curious about mm-hmm. that thing if they're willing to go there. Yeah. And I think it's a process of uh, letting go and, and not, not just living in our head and letting our brain kind of dictate everything or our logic mm-hmm. maybe dictate everything, but allowing kind of this brain, body, spirit connection mm-hmm. to to allow that connection to happen and for that to guide. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a clinical kind of a person. I I think on my bio somewhere, it says, look, I have a sense of humor and if it's appropriate, it's going to be in that room. You know, (laughs) if, if it's going to, there's a use for it, even just to make you comfortable, you know, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to bring it into that room. And if it's, it needs to be gone, it's gone in a minute. Uh-huh. But, the, but the point is that I'm going to shift to what your need is. And I can't know until that exact moment what that's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. So say a little bit more. I know you kind of hit on this at the beginning. And, and we don't have a ton of episodes here around kind of the 
food addiction or the food coping skills stuff, right? Um, and, and you mentioned uh, that you didn't want to be seen. I think that's what you said, like that, that being yep. overweight, right, allowed you to. Yeah, it makes you invisible. Yes, yeah. The bigger you are, the less they see you. Right, right. And, and so talk a little bit about that process because, I, I mean, I, I'm familiar with some of the work that you do. You're being seen in some big ways recently, I think right? so. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I, I guess I don't, I don't think of it in my head, but I know that um, I seem to be making a bigger impact these days, and that's yeah. just real. Yeah. And, and so that process from I cannot be seen, right? I just don't want people to really mm -hmm. notice me and see mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. I don't really notice if I'm being seen. Like if I am, that's great. I'm making an impact and I, I can step into that. But it doesn't really scare me maybe the way it would when you were like, no pictures, right? I don't do cameras. Nobody's logging okay. me and seeing me in a way that I can't control. Really good point, and thank you for saying that. Um, you're right. I, I've never quite thought of it in that way. Um, yes, I, I don't even think of myself as being seen anymore. But I wrote that book eight years ago, and I wasn't ready for it to be released till now mm. because when Brene Brown talks about um, the critics coming, I was afraid that my family of origin would show up um, or somebody would just like find out that I was something. I don't know what they were going to find out, but something. Yeah. So I couldn't handle the critics. And then I realized one day that I'm not actually afraid of the critics. In fact, I kind of like them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually, I went to a, a support group meeting for um, people that have lost weight. And it's so interesting. You know, it's a bariatric support group. And almost everybody in there is overweight. Mm. Now, they've gone through the surgery. If you don't deal with the stuff underneath, then you're going to gain the weight back. Right. So I'm sitting in a room full of it and I, full of people that are overweight. And I'm, I'm saying I'm like a size zero, which really pissed them off. Mm. Okay. What I didn't get a chance to say in that moment was, but I almost died last year because I had a total blockage and I pr pretty much can't eat anymore um, because whenever I eat, I throw up. And, you know, that's a part of this process too. Um, but the person in front took a front to me and she started making comments like, well, you know, the sizes, you know, from back then are different from now. And, and I said, I know, right. You know, that is really important. We should bring that up. And, you know, instead of taking that bait, I went with everything she said. And I said, I heard her mm -hmm. and just doing that. I realized I have more control over my reaction from the critics and just getting curious I can handle this. Yeah. Whatever it is. So, and, and I've often heard people who have critics, right? I have quite a few mentors who have critics, very vocal and active critics. And one of the things that they will say is um, the more critics you have, the more uh, you can know that you're doing work that matters. Right. Well, otherwise, right now, otherwise, you don't have critics. Right. So, right now, um, my critics are, okay, so I have a faith, you know, and that's a, p a huge piece of me, my faith. Uh -huh. And um, I'm what I call getting attacked in every way, shape and form. It's just funny as heck. I mean, it's just like every time I turn around, it's like something else is happening to me. So I know I'm doing something good. Yeah. Um, but it's not 
people that are being the critics. It, well, it's, it's just coming at me in a different way. Okay. And, it, and I'm worn out. And my business coach, Joe Muir, has um, have just uh, put online a, um, a sermon for somebody that's going through heck in their lives and that you keep walking and going forward as, you know, you're trying to make a difference in the world. Uh-huh. And I was just listening to that before we got on. I'm like, yes, it's what I need right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm worn out from, I can get internet in my new building. What? You know, it's just the stupidest stuff. I'm like, I'm going into a new beautiful building. They can't, they can't do internet without $5,000. What? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just all this stuff that's happening. And at the same time, every room in my office is filled. And I just saw that five offices were booked. Mm-hmm. We only have three. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? So um, we're moving to seven. So uh, that wouldn't scare me there. But what? Okay, yeah. problems to have. But right. it's all falling on my shoulders. I'm by myself. I, me and my board and my, and my sole pro- proprietor business, you know, that's me. Yeah. It's really me, you know, in the end, it's me. And it's, you know, yeah. somebody other than me, somebody higher than me. Yeah. Yeah. So about that, as we're, as we're getting close to the end of time, um, Carol, you were telling us before we hit record, it sounds like you're doing a lot of wonderful things. Can you just let our listeners know kind of how they can find you, what's upcoming for you? Um, okay, so well, I just finished speaking um, at Scripps Conference for um, Male Survivors of Sexual Abuse. I did a case study on that. I am going to be speaking, one of my specialties is hoarding, and I'm going to be speaking, uh, I hope to take that around the country, um, because that's another area that people get addicted to is stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I'm going to be uh, speaking on that at an upcoming conference. Um, I am going to be on the mental health panel for the bariatric um, obesity health convention, which is the biggest convention in the country. And, you know, the guy that did my psyche eval eight years ago is on that panel. There's, there's four of us on the panel mm-hmm. and you know how I got there, you know, is it, it, amazing. Just really my presence, I think online and, and just being real out there. And, you know, I'm writing a lot of articles. They're publishing a lot of articles. Um, I just completed one on the hoarding issue. Um, the bariatric stuff, my books are going to be launched August 28th. And um, then from there, I, I honestly don't know. I, and I hate to say this, but I plan on taking the recovery world and turning it on its head. Good. And um, I... I've got a, a vision and it's like basically recovery is not where we stop, you know, sitting mm-hmm. in those rooms, just sitting in those rooms isn't enough. Right. You know, let's take you beyond that because that can be an addiction in itself. Sure. And so I, you know, it's important to be in those rooms. If it's life or death, you got to be in those rooms. If I'm slipping, I need to be in those rooms. But out, other than that, I also need to be doing life. And, and be making a difference in the world in the way that I was meant to do. So I, I'm going, I've got plans. Yeah, great. great. A lot of plans, a lot of online courses, a lot of things. And the name of your book again? Recovering My Life. Recovering My Life. And we'll have links uh, to all of this in the show notes um, so that our listeners can find that. But thank you very much, Carol, for joining us today. 
Sure. I really appreciate uh, getting to know you. Sure. One other thing is that I'm, I have a workbook with my book, so it'll help them through that process. Oh, too. great. Awesome. That's always good. Yeah. At the end of this episode, remember that your story matters. Remember there is something meaningful in every chapter. Don't wait to share your story till it's finished. You can share your story with us on our Facebook page, Healing Paths, Inc., or on our website, www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com. This podcast is solely for the purpose of information and entertainment and does not constitute therapy, nor should it replace competent professional help. At the end of another episode, we want to remind you that nobody has time for perfection. We are pursuing progress. And remember the prayer of the perfectionist. Help me remember I can't do it all. Help me to take things one step at a time and that the only step I need to focus on is the next right step for me. Help me to remember that life is a journey. Help me to be able to separate all that I am learning from all that I have to do. Help me to remember that I am not alone, that I can ask for help. Help me to strive for frequent awakenings, not mastery. I am enough. Amen.